Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Self-Initiative Project Podcast. I'm your host, Jim O'Brien. Hello, and welcome to episode 25. Today, I have my very special guest, Kelly Sayre, with the Diamond Arrow Group, and we're going to be talking about situational awareness and why some people may not take their personal safety as seriously as they should and things that they might can do to get started in that area so i want to welcome kelly kelly how are you i'm doing good how are you i'm doing great you know in in the spirit of transparency now this is our third time attempting this podcast (laughs) so i fingers crossed i feel good vibes good energy in the air i think we're going to get through it today so uh thanks for doing this with me and thanks for your patience and uh doing it again for the third time with me I'm very happy that you kept inviting me back and being willing to try and try again. (laughs) It wasn't my fault, I swear. Uh, So before we get started, as usual, I'd like to take the time up front to uh, let our guests tell us about themselves, their background, who they are, how they got started in their history. So with that, I'll let you take it away for a few minutes. Sure. So... As you mentioned, my name is Kelly Sayre. I am the founder of the Diamond Arrow Group. It's a company where I teach situational awareness to women, specifically geared towards women. I had taken a self-defense class, and we spent, you know, four hours going through movements, going through motions, and at the very end, they said, you know, hopefully you never get into a physical fight. You want to avoid a physical confrontation at by any means possible, you really need to be more situationally aware. And then they sent us on our way. And for me, I was like, I thought we were going to talk more about this situational awareness thing and what that means, what that looks like, and give us examples. And that really kind of was the tipping point to realize there's when I started looking then for the information geared towards me as a female everyday person, and couldn't find it. And that's when I really started doing the deep dive and reading a lot of the books and taking a lot of the things that I took for granted that I just did myself in regards to my personal safety and being aware of my surroundings and reading body language Mm -hmm. and put together more of a formal curriculum, I guess you could call it. And here we are three years later, um, started out as kind of that, side business, side hustle, and now I do this full-time and doing classes and presentations, obviously, right now during the times, uh, lots of virtual presentations, but I'm looking forward to getting back out and in front of people because that's really where I can see that light bulb moment go off in women's heads, and they say, oh, I get it. I I, you know, I know what you're talking about. This is common sense. I've just never looked at these skills that I already have through the lens of my personal safety. So that's, that's kind of the impetus that keeps me going is when women have that aha moment and they realize they can do these things. They can be more cognizant of their personal safety and they have the skills and tools already. Yeah. Now, one of the things, and, uh, you know, I guess I'm fortunate at this point that I have points of reference, but one of the things we were talking about last time is you, you had a, 
I guess, a real job at one point in time, like an executive job of some sort, <laughs> and you were asked to speak, and you decided that this was going to be your topic, if I remember right? Yes, yes. So, again, the whole situational awareness, when people say, well, where did it start? I've always been fascinated by the James Bond, Jason Bourne movies, kind of being able to read people and know what they were going to do before they did it. Yeah. But I never realized it was a thing. It just wasn't in my bubble and wasn't in my daily life. So I never realized it was a real thing. I thought it was, oh, that's just for super secret, you know, CIA spies or just in the movie. Well, I've always carried myself. I've, I've been someone who's gotten the opportunity to, to travel a lot and to go a lot of places. And I moved away from home and couldn't wait to spread my wings and fly. So I've had opportunities yeah. where I was living on my own as a single woman uh, or living with my best friend as, a single, as two single women. And so just the different things that we had to do to make sure we were safe. Sure. When I moved back, um, to where I currently live, I had was a part of an executive peer group of women. And there was 12 of us, so each of us had one month to do a presentation on a special skill that we had or special knowledge that we had that would inform the others in the group that would be interesting, that would help them. And so for me, I've, I always say I've been the, the jack of all trades and done a lot of different jobs over my life because of my adventurous spirit. Sure. So what could I really teach them that would be beneficial? And I hemmed and hawed and, and really did some thinking around it. And I decided I'm going to do a presentation on situational awareness. And I'm going to co-present with my husband, who is law enforcement and retired military. Sure. And he is going to take, we'll take the women through an active shooter scenario in an office building. Because in the times we live in, that's a very relevant fear that yeah. a lot of people have. Yeah. But again, it's scary to talk about. And especially for women who most of the time, most of the everyday women I run into are scared of, of firearms or are scared of violence. And they just they, that's just not something they think about, of the violence that they may face. They, they know it's out there, but they don't. It's easier to stick our heads in the sand and pretend it's not going to happen to us. Yeah, absolutely. So when I <laughs> when I said, "Here's what I'm going to present on," the looks on the <laughs> ladies' faces were priceless. Kind of like you're going to do what? what? You're going to talk about what? Yeah. And we're going to have to watch an active shooter scenario. Yeah. So it was a video simulation room that we went in. So I did my presentation on body language clusters and how to use all of your senses to observe your surroundings, how your subconscious takes in those observations and feeds your intuition, how your intuition works, because we'll get these signals from our intuition. And if we don't quite understand why or how it works, it can be confusing or we can second guess our intuition or doubt our second, our uh, intuition. Yeah. So my presentation was first, and then my husband went through this live video scenario with a firearm laser situation type setup. Yeah. So the one wall was a screen. So the ladies were literally sitting behind him, watching him go through the scene. 
and you know he's walking past injured people saying the gunman went that way went that way yeah and then he's walking through past these cubicles and all of a sudden the gunman jumps out you know he fires returns fires and eliminates the attacker well when that's done there was this huge pregnant pause of silence i'm sure yeah and i was like oh gosh, I probably should have asked if anyone had heart problems <laughs> or any conditions. Yeah. Thankfully, we have a first responder here. But, um, and then what happened was amazing. And they had questions. And they, you know, why did you walk past the people who were injured when you first got in? Why didn't you render first aid? You know, couldn't you, why did you have to eliminate the attacker? Couldn't you have just shot him in the arm? <laughs> and because it's small group, because yeah. we had that trust, because we were an executive peer group that sure. had built up, you know, many opportunities to be vulnerable and ask questions that we might not otherwise ask in a safe environment. Yeah. My husband was able to explain, listen, we have to get, we have to eliminate the threat before other people get injured. So I, my job when I come in as a SWAT, team member is not to provide first aid right my job is to make sure no one further gets injured by eliminating the threat yeah and when they asked about can you just shoot you know could you just shoot the gun out of his hand or just shoot him in the arm <laughs> he was able to go back and we could freeze frame on when my husband took his shots and yes it was a you know center mass and it was a clump yeah but Still, he said, I have 20 years in the military. I'm, I think at the time, 20 years law enforcement. Yeah. And look at in that moment, your adrenaline's pumping. Even though I know it's a simulation, yeah. I'm just aiming and firing because I need to do that's how I'm doing it. Yeah. And so what you see in Hollywood, what you see in the TV and movies is just not real. It's not real. When, and anyone who is has been around firearms, who has trained, will tell you that that's just not a reality. And so for them, it was this eye-opening experience. And they told me, Kelly, it's like seeing the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. Yeah. We don't have access to this information. We don't have a connection to law enforcement like you do where yeah. we can ask these questions. So for us, we make assumptions what we see on TV, that forms our reality. And so they were really impacted again, where I go back to that aha moment, that light bulb where they're like, wow, this is really how it works. This is really what the law enforcement, the first responders are thinking in these scenarios. Yeah. And so that kind of planted the seed for me, like, huh, maybe other people are interested in, it. maybe other women do want to learn these skills it's not just my own nerdy fascination. Yeah. And so that really made it become more of a, a thing in the sense of not, I mean, I started on social media from there on Instagram and Facebook sharing little tips and tricks, but it really became this, okay, it's not just a small group of people that this could help. It's really a larger population of women in general. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, women or otherwise, it's eye opening when you have the opportunity to interact with someone like, you know, first responders, specifically LEO, law enforcement officers, because, you know, 
most of us have never had, and I use the term loosely, but most of us have never had the opportunity to really see or experience violence up front, which is a good mm-hmm. thing. But we right. tend to not to understand what's really involved and what goes into it until we've had the opportunity to interact with someone like military or, you know, law enforcement. And I think I was telling you before, <clears throat> one of the coolest things I've done in recent past, a couple of years ago, I went through our Citizens Police Academy here in the county I reside in. And I wound up doing uh, not just one, but two 12-hour shifts uh, with the county. Uh, went out. I was out of the car operating, you know, in the midst of whatever was going on. And I guess, fortunately, we weren't in anything too serious. But it's not until you get to walk a mile in someone's shoes that you really begin to understand what what it is and what it means. And so for most people myself included, we're not confronted with violence or potential violence every day. And, you know, we get a lot of bad information from news and media and movies. So it was great for them to be able to see that and experience it firsthand. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that environment where they didn't, they felt safe to ask questions. Yeah. They weren't intimidated into the fact of like, well, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to sound stupid. They had that opportunity to really be honest and, and share kind of fears or assumptions and get them either validated, you know, their assumptions validated or realize, okay, that's not correct. Yeah. And I need to understand that. Yeah. It's eye opening for sure. I know I, I took away some things and if nothing else, you take away a greater appreciation for those that do, uh, face it or have the potential to face it every day. Um, I know mm-hmm. referencing, I have the opportunity to reference our past <laughs> talks, <laughs> but <laughs> so I'm doing this all from memory, but I know, you know, when you were getting your start and thinking about doing this, you, you talked about a, a major event that happened timely or that you were kind of indirectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a school shooting, if I remember right. Well, that, um, <laughs> yeah, your memory is, is, is serving you well. So when I, right before I moved to Southern California, my sister was a senior in high school and it was the high school that I had gone through. My, our brother had gone through. So this was, you know, her, the last kid in our family in her last year of school and a freshman bought, brought his dad's handgun to school and shot inadvertently a senior killing him and then shot the student, the freshman student he was targeting. Mm. And so the senior student that was killed was a friend of my sister's. So that had a mm. really big impact on our family because sure. it's small town America. How yeah. could this happen here? And how could it happen to someone we know? And so that really, for me back then brought that reality of it can happen anywhere. Um, I think the major, the more recent major event for us was after I had done that executive peer group presentation that was in the winter months, um, that following September, my husband and I were actually attending a wedding and he started getting text messages and he's like, something's going on. I've got to go out and listen to my radio because of course, as law enforcement, you never go anywhere without your go bag and radio. Right. So he went out to the car 
you know, listen to the radio, he came back in. He's like, we got to go. There's been a stabbing and a shooting at our mall. Wow. So again, our community, you know, he, he, we got to drive really fast <laughs> through town, yeah. um, dropped me off at home. He went in and he ended up covering the road because all of the, that first responders were already on site. So sure. he needed to kind of cover the road. Yeah. But what had happened is a young man had taken steak knives to our mall and was running around stabbing people. Mm. And an off-duty armed police officer was there and had confronted him and then shot and, and killed the attacker. The interesting part about it that caused a lot of confusion on the front end was the attacker dressed, had worked for a little while as some, you know, for hire security, after hours security. So he had a security uniform on. The off-duty police officer was in plain clothes. So when people first were reporting and calling 911, all they had seen was somebody, a civilian in plain clothes, shot a security officer. Yeah. So as the police officers arrived, that can cause so much confusion. And again, okay, we, we don't know what's exactly going on. We need to contain. We need to make sure people are safe. We need to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And afterwards, the off-duty officer actually um, now owns a tactical range and teaches firearm safety. And when I went to go renew my um, firearm, my concealed carry permit last fall, he gave the class. And so he had the video, the security video, and was able to walk through how he handled it, what his thought process was after it was done, how he handled himself so that the officers could approach, know that he wasn't the threat. All of these little things that, again, for me, was seeing behind the curtain. Yeah. And seeing how, if you are going to carry a firearm, how important it is to have that background knowledge. Yeah. Absolutely. And so that was, it, that was kind of just a cool thing for me personally. But at that time when the incident happened, I had so many women who had seen my little social media posts or you know, friends who knew what I was doing say, okay, it's September. This is the mall. This is where I drop my kids off yeah. to walk around with their friends. Holiday shopping season's coming. You know, I'm scared. What can I do? Yeah. And so that's when they, they started asking for more classes. Um, and then a year after that actually is when Vegas happened. The, the, the route 91 was it yeah, uh, concert series concert, shooting. Yeah. Yeah, and so that obviously was a very traumatic event that locally here, some kids thought it would be hilarious a few weeks after that to drive around neighborhoods purposely making their car backfire. Mm. And our local dispatch received over 100 911 calls of a potential active shooter. Wow. And so then, of course, you know, the rumor mills and Facebook messages and Twitter and all of a sudden, you know, it's a really bad game of telephone of, oh my gosh, there's an active shooter. Oh my goodness, they're headed downtown. Oh my goodness, there's doing somebody's, and all of a sudden, so I started getting a lot of messages and my husband was actually in an entirely different state at a training. And so I'm texting him like, do you know what's going on? Yeah. And he's like, I'm in another state. I have no idea go to bed, no <laughs> you clue. know? Yeah. And, um, and I'm like, I get that, but you know, but 
who who should we call then? How do we know there's a lot of people panicking? And and what it came down to is I think a lot of, and I'm not a psychologist, so I'm not, you know, an expert in that. But to me, it, it was a lot of tra- trauma from the Vegas shooting where sure. they didn't know where the shooter was coming from. They weren't sure if the sounds that they were hearing were from, you know, on stage. Was this fireworks? Was it part of the act? And then people just started dropping all around them and they didn't know where to go to get safe. They didn't know what to do. And so when people were in their homes hearing these sounds that kind of sounded like gunfire, they didn't know where they were coming from. They didn't know where to go to get safe. It really triggered a lot of people. And that fear response was so apparent. Sure. And that's when people, when I said, okay, somebody needs to talk to the everyday person. Somebody needs to explain and to raise awareness and educate because fear can have a really negative impact on our life. It, it does us no good. You know, you talk to Andy from the secure dad, it, it does us no good to say, well, I'm just going to stay home right. and be safe because yeah. unfortunately if your that. home isn't secure, home break-ins happen, yeah. you know, thing, bad things can happen at your own home. So, there is no, I, I don't want to sound fear-mongering, but there really is no safe place that you're never going to experience any sort of confrontation or violence. You really need to gain confidence that you know how to take care of yourself, that your home is secure, that you have a plan. Yeah. And so that kind of really, after that in local incident with the kids and the car backfiring, there was definitely more of the, okay, I need help. I need need answers. Kelly put some classes together. And so that's where I started doing more and more of the classes and speaking. And as people hear it and understand what I'm trying to do, that's where they're like, oh, that was great. Can you come and speak here? Or can you do a class? (laughs) You know, so often I'll talk to moms and then moms say, can you talk to my daughter? She's going off to college, you know, or my son, you know, because again, it's not, I focus on women, but it's not just for women. No. Everyone should take their personal safety seriously. Yeah. And so, you know, we wanted to talk about situational awareness today, and we certainly want to talk about personal safety and why maybe some folks don't get more invested in their own personal safety, don't take responsibility for their own personal safety. but. You know, situational awareness is like one of the first, if not the first steps in being better uh, prepared, better ready uh, to deal with uh, a potentially bad situation that might come up. So in in your definition, what is situational awareness and, and, and how do I go about uh, gaining situational awareness? Right. I think the first question is key. Um, that education, what is situational awareness? And there's some really, you know, tactical speak definitions out there. And so what I try to do is I say, it's really understanding what's in your environment, who and what is in your environment, what that means to you and your safety, and then taking action to keep yourself safe. Because it's not always another human you know, um, I show a video in my classes where 
an elderly couple walks out of their you know patio home and there's a bear cub <laughs> on the patio and they never see it i know it made the rounds um in social media uh, and i show it in classes as kind of a icebreaker because i say yes the bear cub might not be the thing they need to worry about but they need to pay attention <laughs> because where there's bear cubs there's usually a mama bear yeah so that's just something to be aware of and then understand what that signifies, what that means to your safety. Okay, we should probably go back in the house and call, you know, 911 or, you know, if they live in an association and say, we see a bear cub, so there's got to be a mama bear around somewhere. <laughs> right. It's yeah. taking, you know, the steps to keep yourself safe. Yep. Yeah, I've always... <clears throat> uh read and understand you know that the first step in uh really developing situational awareness is understanding what the norms are getting that baseline of what's normal for your around your neighborhood what's normal for wherever it is you are your office the the normal day-to-day uh, interactions and then you know if you're paying attention then being able to spot anomalies things that seem out of mm-hmm. place that aren't normally there right and then making a decision is right. this potentially a bad thing a threat and then being able to act accordingly to that um, but but the the first phase is just kind of getting used to what's normal right and you got to pay, pay attention mm-hmm. to understand what that is and that's really i think the key for situational awareness is just paying attention to your surroundings and your environment and i really like that you say you know the baseline of the environment that you're in because it can be different yes. depending on what environment you're in if you're at work it's one type of environment if you're at a coffee shop it's another type of environment. When you're home, if you're at a loud restaurant or, or rock concert or bar, and you don't want to live in a place where you're always looking around because then you're going to look suspicious. <laughs> you, you don't want to have your head on a swivel so much that it's obvious you're uncomfortable. Well, you also don't want to be... Yeah, you'd also don't want to be paranoid either. Being aware and staying frosty, head on a swivel, however you want to (laughs) reference it, right? It's not about being paranoid. It's about paying attention so that you give yourself a heads up before someone gets the drop on you, right? Or something happens that you got totally caught off guard by. So it's really mostly about just being alert. Right. I mean, is that a right. short summary overview? <laughs> yes. No. And I think I was just saying, as you were saying that not being paranoid, and I believe it was in Gavin De Becker's Gift of Fear book, yeah, um, which was one of the first books I read, Great which I book. loved. Great book. That he said it's it's. I say it's really the starting point that everyone needs to read is one of their foundational books. In there, he says, if you're always afraid then you won't get the true fear signal. The importance of staying calm, the importance of being kind of at that, you know, cold or, uh, you know, Cooper's colors. Yeah. I'm like spilling all the words right now, but yeah, yeah. the color codes of, you know, condition yellow and yeah. just being alert, but relaxed and calm. Because if you're always, I, I you know, use the example of if you always clench your fist, 
and you're constantly clenching it, then it's going to get fatigued. And when it comes time that you really need to grab something or do something or respond, your hand is going to be tired. Yeah. But if you're relaxed and then you need to grab onto something, you know, in everyday life, then you, that strength will be there. If you're driving a car and you're constantly gripping the steering wheel and yeah. white knuckling it, you know, then you're, you're going to be tired and fatigued when you have to maybe take a quick reaction because someone slammed on their brakes in front of you or you hit black ice. And so again, realizing that you, it's not about paranoia. It's not about in this constant state of fear. Yeah. It's about understanding and getting comfortable and trusting your intuition, understanding what those signals mean to you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, relative to personal safety, self-defense, whatever you want to categorize it under, you know, self-defense schools, um, a lot of outlets focus on the physical aspects of personal safety and self-defense. Um, and, and some promote the tools, right? Whether it's pepper mm -hmm. spray or, uh, cubitons or firearms, dare I say knives, whatever it is, you know, we kind of right. get hung up in the physical and, uh, aspects or the, the utilization of tools and all of that's sexy and fun and cool. And you should know something about those things, but, the reality of it is, is that self-defense, personal safety starts long before those things generally come into play or could or should uh, generally should come into play or do come into play. Right. There's a lot of things that have happened that have gone sideways, gone bad, gone wrong, whatever you want to say, that get us to the point where we're having to employ those skills that we hopefully know a little something about or have sought out training for ourselves. But arguably, and I think this is the great thing about your cause and your message that you're delivering, you're really heading off a lot of stuff potentially by talking about things like situational awareness. And there's a whole lot of other things that have happened to get to the point where you're in a physical confrontation or you're employing tools. Um, one of which obviously is situational awareness, but there's, you know, making judgments about things, uh, de-escalation, which is a conversation well beyond this today, but situational <laughs> awareness is really the first step, uh, in, in being able to avoid anything bad, so to speak, that might happen to you. Um, it's it's an early phase of personal safety and self-defense, but just as if not more important, because without situational awareness, you know, the goal is to avoid bad things. Right. Um, and I think mm -hmm. we talked about this before, too, like a long time ago in my early days of martial arts training, my instructor would ask us, what's the best self-defense move you can make? And, you know, students in the class would be like, oh, this punch or this kick or this maneuver. And he's like, no, no, the first, the best self-defense move is this. And he'd make the motion of running across the front of the class. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's your number right. one defense is to get get out of there. Right. To 
get away. Uh, and I never will forget that. And it's true. It's very true. So, uh, but in order to know that you need to run away or get away, you've got to be paying attention to what's going on around you so that you know when you need to be able to get away and, and, and act on that. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the, the pieces of situational awareness that is a challenge to talk to people about. Yeah. Because if, some, if you were successful in seeing a threat before it happened or being situationally aware so you didn't look like a potential victim to the predator who's waiting for yeah. their victim, then nothing happened. So if nothing happened, nothing gets reported. Nobody talks about it. You don't know what, what situations you've avoided. Um, and so with situational awareness, it's, it's interesting for me is when I talk to women, I say, well, have you ever had where you just knew something was off about a person yeah. or you just felt the vibe or the energy in the room, something was wrong and you left. And almost every person has a story like that. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I knew this was really weird about this guy. Um, I had a conversation with a woman that I connected with and she said, you know, in my high school, my brother had a friend. He was always kind of a little off or a little odd, whatever. (laughs) Um, But, you know, at the time, high school, everyone's maturing and going through puberty and having all their emotional development stages. Everyone's a little, you know, different developmentally. Well, later she comes to find out he was, became a serial rapist and killer and was luring women into his taxi and would, and, you know, unfortunately commit crimes. And she said, looking back, you're like, oh my gosh, now things make sense or whatever. But until, if she would have never made that connection because he moved states away, it's still one of those things. You're not going to talk about, well, remember how odd that was? Because you don't want to be judgmental. You don't want to seem rude. You don't want to just, oh, you want to give people the benefit of the doubt. And... So having that situational awareness as you get older to question, it's not about a person, it's about their behavior. Ted Bundy pretended he had a hurt arm to ask women to help him. And, you know, the scenarios is when he was the two women he took from that beach, the public beach. And he said, oh, I think he even had his hand in a sling and said, I need to help get my sailboat on the trailer or whatever. Can you come help me? And they were like, oh, he's hurt his arm. I'll help him. It's like, why is a guy asking a woman who's laying out sun tanning in her bikini for help lifting a sailboat? Yeah. So yeah. it wasn't that you should say, oh, well, he looks so nice. Okay, great. But his behavior is completely out of the norm. So it's, it's again, breaking that down and helping people. Because if they don't, if it's kind of in their subconscious and fuzzy and it doesn't make sense and they don't understand how to verbalize and yeah. process what they saw or what yeah. they're experiencing, it's a lot easier for them to discount their intuition. Yeah, and, and that's an, a great point. There's a couple of points there that <clears throat> we should hone in on for a moment is that I think you're right. I think when it comes to gut, because, you know, 
women have this awesome reputation of having intuition, right? You always hear about women's mm-hmm. intuition, right? Quote, unquote. You never hear about men's intuition. I contend that everyone, <laughs> you, you don't. You know, it's like that, that guy had great intuition, right? But you'll hear women's intuition. We always have. But with that being said, men have it too. You know, maybe they call it their gut, mm-hmm. their gut feeling, whatever it yeah, is. But, instinct. Yeah, instinct, yep. gut feeling, intuition, whatever. And I think that's the challenge of intuition, gut, spidey senses, as we say. I kind of like spidey senses myself, but that's just it. Like, how do you articulate that to make someone understand what it is you felt or thought in that moment? And so that's the first thing. Like, how how do you articulate that, you know, other than to say you need to listen to it? You don't have to worry about articulating what it is. Just act upon it. But that's the other thing, too. I think the, you know, for your cause and working with women in situational awareness, you know, to that point. If if the if the saying is true, you know, women's intuition, they have intuition, they have the sixth sense innately built into them, you know, arguably they're poised to be better at um, that gut visceral feeling and situational awareness than anyone else is because they do have that sixth sense so innately built into themselves. Um, but how do you articulate right. that? And the key, I think, is is not to worry about figuring out what it was, but to be willing to listen to it and then act upon it. Because if it's a bad situation, then you just avoided it if you can act upon it. Worst case scenario is you offended some dude that was just looking for instructions at the gas uh, directions at the gas station. Right? <laughs> but who cares if you offended right. him? You got away. If you felt something off, if your spidey senses were going off and you thought something was wrong or off about the situation, you should get out of there. And who cares if they were offended? You know, you don't know them anyway, and they'll get over it. But acting on this. And you'll never see him again. <laughs> you'll never see him again. But the key is, is that you're poised to, to be better suited for that, arguably, potentially, right? And then just be willing mm-hmm. to act, to listen to it. And then, uh, most importantly, act upon it. And I think that's all part of that situational awareness and then responding accordingly. Like, don't don't mood it. Don't don't quiet it. It's telling you something for a reason. You should listen to it. And the consequences are inconsequential. Mm-hmm. What I use um, when I'm talking to women is I explain, you know, again, I'm trying to show them these are skills you already have. These are natural abilities. And in regards to that intuition or being able to, you know, read a room or get the vibe, you know, if you've been around kids, mothers and their kids specifically, the kids, you hear gibberish, you hear Charlie Brown's teacher talking and the mother knows exactly what the kids said, what they need, what they don't want. And you're like, how did you get that from what the kids said? It's because (laughs) the mother can read the body language. They're around, they have the intuition there's so much going on that they can't really explain. They just, it's my kid. Of course I know. Yeah. And for people who don't have children or aren't around children, it's if you have an elderly relative that you've taken care of that maybe had a stroke and so they've lost their speech is, is more slurred now. They have lost that being able to communicate verbally. 
you still have that ability. Women are natural caregivers and nurturers. So we have that in us. That's where that innate ability to have intuition. And in my perspective or my opinion, what I've seen is because it doesn't really get scientifically explained, I guess you could say, oh, you're probably being judgmental or you're overreacting, you're overthinking it. Yeah. You know, and so then women say, oh, well, my intuition must be off. It must be wrong. And so it's actually kind of saying, nope, your intuition might have been right. Um, A scenario of like the creepy colleague when you go to industry events. All the guys are like, yeah, he's great. He's a great guy. And all the women know that once he's had a few drinks, they steer clear and they stay (laughs) far away from him. Yeah. And the guys, oh, you're just, he's just friendly. He's being super nice. You're overreacting. And it's like, well, no, because he's targeted certain individuals. And if you're not his target, you're not going to see those behaviors. Yeah. And if a woman says, I'm not comfortable or, yeah, we're just going to, you know, we're going to go over here. If you don't understand because you haven't seen it yourself, because you haven't been the target of that individual, then say, okay, just trust that they're those people making the decision to stay away are trusting their intuition, have experienced something that their alarm bells are going off saying, this is not a good situation. It's best to move away. I've heard from so many males that have reached out to me in regards to their wives, girlfriends, sisters who had a creepy coworker yeah. and you know, they didn't know how to deal with it because it's a coworker. So that enforcing boundaries, it's not just about setting boundaries, enforcing boundaries. And thankfully I'm so glad that those men believed the women in their lives telling them, I don't know what's up with, you know, creepy coworker, but he gives me the willies and they supported them in their decisions to make choices that didn't put them in situations where, uh, you know, we're the last two working in the office. Yeah. You know, Hey, okay. Everyone's leaving. I was going to work late, but the creepy coworker is still here. So before this last, you know, my, my friend Susie leaves, I'm going to say I'm leaving with Susie cause I don't want to be here alone with him. Yeah. And so doing that, don't discount that because they have a reason. There is a reason why they feel uncomfortable. And so kind of reinforcing, almost reteaching those intuition abilities. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I had a couple of thoughts come to my mind as I was listening to you is that, you know, listening to that gut, that intuition spidey senses whatever you want to call it is so key um that again even if you can't articulate exactly what it is you should still act upon it um because worst case scenario you offended someone and who cares they'll get over it and and or you'll never see him again (laughs) but you know the other piece of this and we talked about it like is avoidance right like getting out getting away but Um, part of the uh, avoidance of getting away isn't necessarily always physically leaving the scene. To your point, it's about being willing to enforce boundaries, Uh, not just think about boundaries that you want for yourself, but be willing to enforce them. 
And that's tough, I think, for women. Um, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but it's tough because <laughs> um, you guys are typically raised to be nice, sweet, accepting, to go with the flow, whatever it is. But if you're paying enough attention and, and your intuition is telling you something is off here, it's important that you feel that you you can enforce boundaries when you need to. And I think boundaries are as are important, if not as more important than actually physically fleeing a scene, right? Because you're not always going to be able to just run off, right? So it's being right. um, able and willing and strong enough to enforce boundaries for yourself so that when you're pumping gas at the gas station and the dude that looks a little shady, even though you're trying not to be judgmental, but something immediately sets off your spidey senses, when he wants to get up in your personal space just to ask you for directions, you know something's off with that, right? So telling him, hey, no, you're good where you are. Don't come any closer. What do you want? What do you need? And be willing to stand your ground, so to speak, enforce those boundaries is just as important as anything else. Right. And I think a couple things from playing off of your scenario there, let's see, at the gas station. So if you're aware of somebody walking in your general direction or getting like watching you getting closer, I say you don't have to be like, oh, okay, that's far enough. Stay back. I don't know who you are. It could simply be calling it out early enough to say, hey, can I help you? Yeah. Because he's going to have to respond. Yeah. And so if he's like, I just need directions and he keeps walking, it you get to set how soon or how close. Because if you call him out as he's walking further away versus when he's right next to you talking, and he says, yeah, I just need directions. You now still have time and space to say, I suck at directions. So, you know what? You should probably just head in the gas station. Plus, if he's further away, it would be normal to raise your voice, yeah. right? Drawing attention. So other people at that gas station will hear you saying, oh, I can't help you. Sorry. And sending him away. Therefore, okay, now you've alerted other people to this conversation, or maybe they've just looked up because they've heard voices. Yeah. And now that, that person, that male coming towards you, okay, yep, I'll go inside and get directions because he knows now other people are watching and other people are aware. You have still that safe distance, hopefully, whereas if you're not paying attention and all of a sudden they're standing right next to you, there's really no reason for you to raise your voice. I mean, you could play off and like, I'm... You know, I'm hard of hearing. I just came from the shooting range and, you know, I forgot my hearing protection. So, you know, you can, and again, I use humor and sarcasm, but of course in those moments, you know, I don't always have the quick wit. I can think of a comeback three days later. So having these thoughts ahead of time, what would I do if someone started walking towards me looking like they needed help? I don't want to seem rude. But I also have a boundary and ahead of time deciding how are you going to enforce that boundary because you don't want to be deciding in that moment, okay, I'm uncomfortable and I've told him to stop walking towards me or 
you know, don't stand so close to me. Yeah. And he's not. Okay, what are you willing to do? Because if if you don't enforce the boundary, that predator just realized, okay, their boundaries aren't very yeah. solid. I'm going to keep pushing to see how far I can push. They're testing. Easy pivots. Again, you know, you can yeah. use humor. Yeah, if, if it's a coworker who always seems to stand too close and just be like, I know my perfume is really good, but it's, I don't want to burn your nose hairs out or be like, Hey, you know, and if it's depending again, depends, depends, depends. Yeah. Maybe if this coworker is notoriously rude, you know, saying something like, gosh, what is that smell? You know, did somebody fart, you know, anything to draw attention, anything. I say this in the sense of humor, but it's true because again, people, People, if you say that, the next he's not going to want to stand close to you because what are you going to say next time? Yeah. What are you, you know? And again, that's not directed towards them, but it's still loud and it's still causing um, attention to be drawn. Yeah. Now, the caveat is when it's a family member. Yeah. Because women, most attacks are perpetrated by somebody we know. Sure. And that's yeah. where I think it gets really hard and we could go off on a tangent on boundary setting and enforcing boundaries is because when it's a family member, yeah. you have holidays, you have birthday parties, you have get-togethers, reunions, weddings. You don't always have the choice to go, like you said, to avoid yeah, because distance. you want to go yeah. and see your family. Sure. So what what are your um, options in those situations? Again, an entirely another podcast. That's a whole different... But we need to yeah. be... Right. But those are the sorts of things that we need to think through because to your point, you know, I think the disservice that the self-defense physical training community, I'll say, maybe that's not the best descriptor, but I think the disservice that the self-defense community does for women is that we teach or have taught typically the sexy stuff. You know, I've been a part of many women's self-defense seminars, or at least a handful. And, you know, it's super cool to have your painter buddy that drives a windowless white van to your school <laughs> to have a prop to train with, right? And then you have the women get drug in right. there and they've got to fight their way out. Yeah, that's a possibility. It could happen. Absolutely. And it's cool. It makes for cool training and it makes for a lot of cool conversations over beer over the weekend after you've been through it and you've had your eyes opened. But to your point, for women, the majority of the time it's someone, you know, whether it's the drunk um, uncle, the coworker, the neighbor, the ex-boyfriend, the mm -hmm. husband. And that mm -hmm. puts a whole new twist on the challenge of getting away in the first place, uh, much less setting those boundaries for yourself. Mm -hmm. But it's a very sensitive subject, but it's one that we need to be talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And there needs to be more conversation around it for sure. Yeah. And so I think, you know, and, and I don't want to discount that conversation because I think it's an important one, but, to your point, I, I think that's one for another podcast because, you know, that goes above and beyond situational awareness and what we can do to get people invested in their personal safety. Um, so, you know, 
we've talked about situational awareness and, you know, staying alert and being willing to walk away, run away, set boundaries, whatever that looks like for yourself, but just paying attention to things so you notice when things don't seem quite right. But, you know, the other thing we we said we wanted to talk about and the other challenge for, I think, both of us, as I'm sure it is for a lot of people in this space, is how do we get people more interested in or invested in, in their own personal safety? And I know you did, um, and I don't know if you've got any more answers since. I'd be curious to hear about them. But how do we get people more invested in their own personal safety like to me it's a no-brainer like i i sleep breathe and eat this stuff you do too i know andy does everyone we talk to seems to but for the general populace you know there it's either a time thing or they're not worried about it maybe they feel like they live in a safe community because it's gated or not whatever maybe they moved moved out to the boonies so they don't have to worry about such things the reality of it is, is bad things can happen at any time. We're very fortunate that that we live in a society where bad things happen a very small percentage of the time. But the fact of the matter is, is that they can happen. And what are you going to do if they do happen? So how do you get people that are just completely either apathetic or oblivious or they're too busy, whatever it is, how do we get them involved? How do we get them taking an interest? That is the million dollar question, right? Um, now, I, I know you don't. I don't. I know you don't like hard <laughs> questions, but I'm going to ask them. Oh yes, I shy away from them. No, again, there's my sarcasm uh-huh. for your listeners who might not know me. Um, I, from a female perspective, again, I focus primarily on women, yeah. and what I hear back, the feedback I get from women on why they don't take their personal safety as seriously as they should is overwhelmingly. I know, I know I need to, I worry about my kids. I worry about something would ha- that if something would happen to me while I'm with my kids, but I don't have time. I, I you know, we're on this big self care kick for women, you know, for everybody. But yeah, again, speaking from the woman's perspective, we're on this big self care kick and you need to take time for yourself to be in a mental mental health, good space so you can take care of your kids. You can, you know, have a good relationship. But the thing is, again, that time guilt, that's what I hear back majority of the time is how can we, on top of this self-care and exercise and eat right meal plan and do all these things, (laughs) also take a self-defense class. Yeah. It seems overwhelming. And, you know, all of us in the self-defense industry, or I shouldn't say all of us, majority of us don't like saying women's self-defense. In the essence of self-defense should be self-defense. There shouldn't be, you know, the disservice that we do when we only have women in a class sparring with each other is they're probably not going to get attacked by a female. So it is very beneficial for them to play, to spar with a male so they can understand, oh, well, he's much taller than me yeah, or he boys. has yeah. more body mass than me. What am I going to do? How, what tools do I have? Can I use as a female? Yeah. And so, but that's what women want. Like as much as I don't want to say women's self-defense classes, 
that's what the women who I'm trying to reach are like, Kelly, we need to know that it's a woman's self-defense class because what we see, again, their perception is their reality. What we see are six-degree black belt, martial (laughs) art, MMA fighter, retired special ops. Yeah. Who are teaching these classes yeah. and they've been doing this for years and they're like, I can't even find an hour in a week. How am I ever going to get to that level? And it seems very insurmountable. Yeah. And so they just kind of give up before they start. I know, you know, they say, I know it's not the answer, but I'm just going to hope it doesn't happen to me, which makes all of us cringe because we're like, no, that's not, we don't want you to take that. Yeah. And so we need to say, how can we give it to you in little to get you curious, to get you thinking, because you're going to gain confidence then in these little things. Wow, I notice more things now. I lock my doors as soon as I get into my car. And now you kind of have confidence like, hey, okay, I can do this on my own. And then, okay, what's next? It's that gradual build of, okay, let's just one step at a time. You know, you don't sign up for a marathon and then run it the next day. Right. You have to make the decision you're going to run it and then you start by running one mile running two miles and adding to it so i think to get women in that perspective just showing them the little let's not start with how do you do you know over the shoulder throws you know like they're going to be an mma fighter right yeah let's just start with the little things of the body languages to watch for how to describe a person how to use all of your senses, your hearing, your smell to tell you what's in your environment. And, you know, the other thing with women too that I've, I've found over and over again is they don't even understand what situational awareness is. They know self-defense and they think of fighting, physically fighting. Yeah. And that education piece. And I saw a great video shared um by a self-defense instructor when he was talking about boundaries yeah. and he simply used the example of calendar boundaries. How many times you're like, I just need Sunday night, you know, Mondays are a big day. It's the start of the week. It's my longest day of the week. So Sunday nights, I do not go out and inevitably friends will say, you know, this new restaurant opened or Hey, a movie came out or whatever. Oh, we're getting together Sunday night. Come on over. And enforcing your boundary. Nope, I do not go out Sunday. If you want to go out Saturday, if you want to go out Tuesday, I'm great, but Sunday night. And so if we tell women, if I show women, that's a boundary. That's yeah. you setting in a boundary and enforcing it. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, well, I can do that. Yeah. I do that all the time with, sorry, I can't go out because I've got to run Johnny to baseball practice and Susie to dance class. And then I've got to help them with their homework. You set boundaries all the time, but you've never thought of it in that way. You never thought of it in, the, you know, mental, in those terms. Yeah, m- mental strategy. You know, we talk about the importance of deciding your boundaries and how you would enforce them before you find yourself in that situation. So, you know, what would you do if you found yourself in a chokehold? What would you do? Well, that's really almost, in my mind, going from zero to 100. That's really intense, and that can freak a lot of people out. Like, yeah. oh, I can't imagine, you know, being put in a chokehold. And yeah. and it's like, okay, guess what? Reality. The minute you wake up, ladies, you sit down and you think about everything you need to accomplish in the day. You got to drop the dry cleaning off. You've got to stop and pick up a prescription. You've got to 
run here, run there. You've got to make dinner. You strategize your day every day before your day starts. Yeah. So you have that skill to strategize. Okay. If someone was following me after I left the store, you know, later at night, the sun's gone down, it's dark. I'm walking from the store to my car and I feel like somebody's watching me. Yeah. What am I going to do? Yeah. And it's that same strategy. Okay. If I felt like someone was following me, I'm going to turn around and go back in the store and get a manager. I'm going to ask someone to escort me to my car. Yeah. You know, and again, when I ask people, okay, what would you do? And they say, I don't know. And I'm like, great. Okay, let's, let's start. What would let's you figure do? Figure it out, yeah. Forcing them to figure it out because it's really easy as instructors for us to say, what would you do? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Okay, this is what you should do. Yeah. And we have no idea. Do they feel capable? Do they feel competent to do that? And so helping them go through, and I always say, so wouldn't you rather have your heart beat and your palms sweat, get really uncomfortable while you're in, you know, the safety of your own home or wherever you feel safe. Absolutely. And then be able to say, okay, that was really intense because I just literally vividly pictured somebody grabbing me from behind and what I could do. Yeah. And... Now, if that would happen, you're going to be able to react much faster yeah. because you have the plan in your head. You know, I know you were talking, you were talking about um, how time seems to be a factor. Like, I don't have the time to go do this training. I don't have the time to learn this or learn that. But, <clears throat> you know, I think, and I know you did a email survey some time ago and there was a few answers given. And I guess time is a general theme. I think the other reasons why is that a lot of people don't think it'll happen to them. Right. Or they figure mm-hmm. that they've moved to a place, whether it's a gated community or otherwise that the chances mm-hmm. of something happening is bad um, or, or isn't bad, you know, Moving to a place that the chances of something bad happening is slim to nil, but we know that realities are it can happen anytime, any place. But, you know, you posted um, something on social media recently that said one of the reasons um, women shy away and, and I might be taking it or putting it in a different context than what it was originally intended, but I've heard it before uh and i think it's important um to talk about so i think some folks feel like that they're incapable or are too weak to deal with an attacker or something that went bad for them right and i say Mm -hmm. there are a handful of things that you could do even if you felt that way about yourself, right? Or feel that way about the situation. And first and foremost is working on your mindset and getting in a, in a, in a better state of that. But, you know, even if you felt that way, or even if that was factual, learning and employing situational awareness is something that everyone can do. And doesn't take a lot mm-hmm. of time. It just takes some thought, right? Like you have to make a conscientious effort to be aware of your surroundings when you go to the restaurant, whether it's by yourself or with your family, uh, sitting with your sitting facing the entrance instead of your back to the door. 
whatever it is, takes a little bit of effort. But even even for those that feel like they're maybe too weak to physically confront someone, that that skill of situational awareness still applies, and it's something that they can do for themselves and most likely potentially avoid most anything that could happen to put them in a situation where they've got to test their physical or mental abilities. So I think that's an important message to convey too. There's still things that you can do. You just have to make a little bit of effort. Right. Right. And, you know, you kind of touched on it in the beginning um, when you started talking about that as though, you know, we moved to a gated community. Yeah. And and that false sense of security of, well, you know, one of the responses is, you know, also it's easy to believe we're safe, yeah. we are careful, or I don't put myself in a d- dangerous situation, it won't happen to me. Those lists of excuses are long. Yeah. And, or, you know, have women who, I uh, had a woman who responded who was 61 and she's like, I, this is not for me. I'm not strong enough to ever fight back. Yeah. Um, so what, what good would it be? What good would it do me to take a physical self-defense class? You know, I have a bad knee. I mm. have a bad shoulder. Yeah. And it's, and it's the understanding that, okay, but that doesn't mean that that actually makes you more of a target. Yeah. If you act like the victim or if you walk with a limp, then your situational awareness needs to be really on point. I recently shared a video of what looks like it was an elderly woman leaving a pizza joint. There's a gentleman standing outside the entrance. You can see a pipe in his hand in the CCTV footage. And he looks like he's almost going to open the door and hold the door open like a gentleman. (laughs) Yeah. And instead it looks like some words are exchanged and he hits her. uh, I mean, over the head, shoulder, upper body area, grabs a pizza and runs. And, Again, this is not victim blaming and neither the post that I shared it from and myself, it was okay. This is an example, you know, watching, he was watching her as she was walking to the door. One thing that came up with, okay, well we have to be really careful because as you get older, your eyesight diminishes. So she might not necessarily have seen the pipe in his hand. She could have just seen the human shape, right? Yeah. And so she might not have seen that somebody going to open the door for her well yeah her hands were full she's an elderly lady that's so kind so again that we always need to be careful about how we say oh you should have done this or you shouldn't have done that or you know oh well i would it's really easy to sit back and say well i would never do that i would have seen him standing <laughs> there i would have yeah. really it's always because i have lots of videos of te- uh, right i have lots of videos of teenagers looking at their phone yeah and running into things. We've all seen those. So it's not, it's about paying attention and being aware, not victim blaming. What can we learn? Oh, I need to watch for that. Yeah. And that mental prep, I think you can start at home. (laughs) You can start doing those little things. Well, I think you touch on a, a great point indirectly is that you're not always going to get this right. You're not always going to be so on point that the ninja sneaking up behind you isn't going to get the drop on you, (laughs) right? Uh, You you can't possibly ever be so alert 
that you know everything going on around you at all times. You've counted the number of people in a room. You know all the exits. You see the gorilla, the guy in the gorilla suit walking through the front door, whatever it is. It's not possible to be on point all the time. And that's not what this is about. That's not what I don't think we're implying today. It's just the point that Mm -hmm. you need to be making the effort so that you are more aware so that you're less likely to have someone or something um, get the drop on you or um, catch you off guard, whatever that may be. You're, you're going to drop the ball. I mean, we're all human, right? We can't possibly be on guard all the time around the clock. Um, and honestly, okay. when you're home, you should be in that Cooper's white zone. And I'll let people research that if they like their Cooper's uh, – color code of alertness but um yeah i mean there's points where you should be able to be in the white zone but when you're outside your house you should be in that yellow plus and there's others that argue there's better systems and better uh, alert um systems than that okay fine but uh for the sake of this (laughs) conversation yeah you know being on point being alert stay frosty head on a swivel, whatever it is. But with that being said, you can't possibly catch everything. It's just the point that you're making effort and that you are paying attention and willing to pay attention and not apathetic or completely oblivious to everything that's going on around you. Right. And that's another thing too is perfectionism is something that I think a lot of women struggle with, or at least I've heard that a lot of women say they try so much. I mean, we've heard it in uh, career-based teachings or presentations. If there's a job posting and it says these 10 bullet points are a requirement of the job, a guy says, I have four of those. I can do it. No problem. A woman says, I can only do four of those. I better not apply. Again, I know this is generalization and you know, I could get slammed up and down for the, saying that, but it's just what has found. And so when I think about situational awareness, it's not about perfect situational awareness. It, I have two small children. There is absolutely no way you can't that it. I can get perfect situational awareness yeah. because they are mom, 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 right. mom. Hey, mom, mom, what about this? Mom, mom. And so it's really important for me to kind of give myself grace and also have a mental plan. Okay. If this happened when I'm with my two kids, I can't run very fast. So what are my options? Yeah. You know, if, you know, and again, if somebody grabs my purse, I'm with my two kids, have fun, go to town. Don't worry. I'm going to have all those shut down in five minutes, (laughs) you know, because it's not worth me getting into a physical altercation when I have my two sons with me. Right. If it can be replaced, let it go. Do not, yeah. Uh, you know, haggle over material items. Right. It's important to think about your safety and what's most important. And for women, me kind of saying, there is no such thing as perfect situational awareness, ladies. And like you said, you could be as prepared and have plans and, and do everything in your power. Go to a self-defense studio, a martial arts studio, whatever, you know, whatever works for you all the time and still get attacked. Yeah. I mean, there was just a couple of weeks ago, wasn't that MMA fighter? that had a, a home invasion. Hmm. I mean, who messes with an MMA fighter? Right. I really? And he even said, clearly that was different. the wrong house. That, yeah. 
<laughs> right. And so it's it's giving that that permission to say, if you can start, you'll do things that will make you appear less likely to be targeted. And that's really what we want you to do. We want predators to look at you and decide, not worth it. Either she's going to yell, she's got mace, she's or whatever to pepper spray or whatever tool, or she just looks like someone who is not going to put up with me yeah. testing her boundaries. Yeah. They're going to completely avoid you and wait for the next person. So again, that confidence. I mean, it's it's the networking. You know, again, I try and relate so much of what I talk to women about to skills that they probably already use in everyday life. Networking events, the seven second rule. Yeah. It takes seven seconds for someone to make a first impression of you. Well, the predator uses those same seven seconds. Yeah. They take that time to evaluate whether you're going to be a good victim <laughs> or somebody they don't want to mess with. Someone Give them scrapping. the impression of not to mess with. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, funny, we were talking before we, um, when we were testing for the third time, but we talked about bands and it just made me think about, so I was in <laughs> ninth grade, ninth or 10th grade. And our band instructor was, um, well, I'm sure nobody knows him, but Frank Pastorella, Italian guy, one of those guys you just look like you don't mess with him, right? And I'll never forget, it was me and two of my friends, and we were both sitting there, and here's somehow the conversation went about impressions of us and music. Oh, you know, my one friend, yep, you know, you're super nice, really owing to the la. You know, my second friend, to the la, and he's like, you, Kelly, you remind me of a girl into college who knocked the guy's front teeth out because he said the wrong thing to her. And, and I was like, why? And he goes, I don't know. You just strike me as that type. So apparently whatever I was doing at the time was working for me. But again, giving that first impression of I am not someone that you want to pick, wait for someone else <laughs> or no one go away. <laughs> We wanted to capitalize and talk about the the subject of situational awareness, and I think we've covered that in a, in a broad stroke and probably could talk about that for some time. But, you know, one of the other things that we've talked about is the concern that people don't do as much for their personal safety or is, are, don't get involved with their own personal safety as much as they should. What are some things that, and I, and I know you've said, because you did some research, and if I remember right, you did some email polling of your followers and what was the challenges for them. And the, I think the consistent theme, as you pointed out earlier, was just time availability, right? They need more time for themselves. Um, they've got kids, they've got husbands, they're busy, 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 you know, the time or either that they feel like it doesn't, it won't ever apply to them or won't ever happen to them. And right. I'm sure there's a handful that are just completely apathetic and there's probably not a lot we can do for those folks. But for those that are semi questioning, hey, maybe I should start thinking about some of this stuff. What are some of the things in your mind that they could do? to get started you know i think listening to podcasts like what we just did the episodes like that to start listening to people talking about the subject and building your knowledge base is a great place to start following pages like the diamond arrow group like the self-initiative project 
you know, there's lots of us out there. Kind of, you can kind of see there's this, this pretty tight community, pretty small community. Yeah. And so if you start following one, pretty soon you'll start to see <laughs> who else to follow yeah. and take those daily tips, those daily tricks to learn more about little behavioral changes you can make, daily habits you can start implementing so that they become a subconscious behavior. And again, just taking action. That first step is so important. If, if you're a reader, you know, let's say you love to read, Buying the Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker, Buying the New Superpower for Women by Steve Cardian, Buying Creepology by Anna, I think it's Val Darcy. I'm yeah. probably pronouncing that wrong. I apologize, but you yeah. can look Creepology and find it. It's, it's start, just do something to start taking your personal safety serious. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I thought about this too, and you hit the nail on the head. I think, you know, not to toot our own horns, Kelly, but, you know, listening to podcasts <laughs> like this and, you know, following your videos that you post and have available, available through your site is a great way to get started just to start hearing what might trigger some thoughts that you haven't had before. Uh, some books, um, you know, I know time's a factor, as you pointed out earlier, that seems to be a common theme for folks is availability of time for themselves, personal time for themselves. And, you know, I would say, look, just set aside an hour a week, uh, uh, an hour to three hours a month, 30 minutes a week, whatever, just to start looking at the stuff, reading about it following us on these social media outlets, whatever, um, seeking out some seminars. Um, I will tell you that, um, you know, generally speaking, seminars, especially seminars that are focused on women's self-defense only, they're really meant as a feeder to the school because um, the reality of it is, is you can go take a two-hour seminar, three-hour seminar, four-hour seminar, yeah, you've walked away with some new knowledge. If nothing else, it's made you think about things you may not have before, but you can't come out of a two-hour class and be a martial arts expert. Um, so the goal of mm -hmm. that is to trigger in you the um, desire to go seek out more for yourself and to get into training. Um, you can't become proficient at physical techniques or use of tools without ongoing training. Um, but but those seminars are still valuable, if nothing else, to make you see what you should should maybe be thinking about in general. And then, you know, um, we're going to be talking about this in the near future. But um, something that we've talked about in this podcast is think about scenarios that you think for your lifestyle and your context are appropriate for you. Think about scenarios that you think could happen or are possible, or maybe they're a little far-fetched. Far That's okay, too. But the key is to think about those scenarios and then think about what your plan is or how you would to respond, what your plan is to deal with them or how you would respond to them. And that, I suspect, is going to set off an awful lot of light bulbs and, and cause you to think about things more at the very least and hopefully seek out some of these additional things that we've talked about, whether it be podcasts or books or information or 
um, self-defense training, whatever it w- will be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, all, um, all good stuff. Yeah. So how can they find you? I know how to find you now, but how can they find you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my website, my website is the diamond arrow group dot com and my facebook and instagram handles are also the diamond arrow group and those are the best places to reach out you know message send me an email it's all listed there and i highly encourage everyone if you have a question reach out you know that's (laughs) we joked before but i'm not afraid of hard questions (laughs) or don't feel you know don't feel silly you know, like I have this neighbor and it's this, they do this behavior and I overreacting, you know, um, literally just one quick story. I had saw someone that I'm connected with on LinkedIn and she was talking about basically a, a guy who was being a little bit too ze- overzealous about trying to connect, yeah. trying to talk to her over the phone. And even though she kept saying, you know, obvious she's in New York city, obviously right now we're not meeting face to face. You know, but I'm not interested in having a phone call. You know, I'm dealing with what I'm doing. She has her own business. She's dealing with that. She's like, I don't have time. Yeah. And he kept pressing. And she was kind of voicing, saying, I don't want to be rude. And I went on and I said, this is not being rude. He is disrespecting your boundaries. Yeah. Do you really want to have someone in your life who's like, knows you're in New York City, knows you own your own company, and you're trying to keep it afloat, and still keeps pressing you, even though you said no, yeah. no, no? And so if you have, I encourage any women who are listening, if you have a question, reach out. I'd be happy to chat with you and and talk about it and find a solution that works for you. Yeah. Well, this has been great, Kelly. I, again, I'm sorry. We've had some uh, technology issues along the way, but I'm, I'm so glad that we uh, persevered and pushed through and uh, did this for uh, what now is, I think, the third time. So I appreciate you doing this. And, <laughs> and, and thanks for being on. So until thanks next time. And, and I loved it. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah.